We are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, and we're looking at a healthy Christian community tonight. And I'm going to read uh, verse 12 through 28. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Here we have some exhortations from Paul on how we are to live while waiting, while we wait. And we urge you, as it says in verse 12, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. The Lord has set up order at home and he has set up order in the church likewise. Without leadership in family, the family falls apart. The Lord has ordained for the man to lead the home, to be the head of the home. The mother is to nurture the children, to support her husband. The children are to obey their parents. This is the order set up, not by me, but by God, the word of God. We are also to have order in the church, and people are to respect their leadership. Paul uses three words here we see in verse 12 um, and 13 that would be really great for us to define. Recognize, admonish, and esteem. To recognize is to acknowledge, to accept, and is also to appreciate. To admonish is to warn or reprimand, reprimand someone firmly. To esteem is to respect and admire, to value. Paul says, appreciate those who labor among you and those who labor over you. Appreciate those who warn you, correct you, respect them. Next, Paul tells us in verse 14 to wait actively. Now we are to exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. So we're not to just wait, just lay there and wait and do nothing. We're to wait actively. First, Paul is encouraging the people to warn those who are unruly, those who are really out of line um, and careless. This was applied to a soldier who wanted to walk his own way. He was insisted on keeping his own rank and doing his own thing. Those who are unruly describes what you will find when you go to reprimand someone who is insisting upon going their own way, even though you've been warning them not to. Simply like a, um, maybe you have a, a Christian, you know, just an example, a, a believing sister who has been walking with the Lord for a long time. All of a sudden, she's dating a non-believer, and you just gently try to warn them in love. Hey, it's, this isn't really what the Word's telling you you should do. Um, she still chooses to date him and go down a path that's not really good um, and will have uh, rippling effects later. You'll find one of two things when you do this. Either you will receive, they will receive the correction, or they will rebel against your correction. What do you do when this happens? 
Well, if we have tried and we've corrected the right way in love, it's just like disciplining your children. If you discipline them in anger, it doesn't really, you're not really teaching them anything and it's just your flesh acting out. But if you pull yourself back and get yourself together, I used to have to give myself a timeout before I would discipline them because it was much, much, much easier to discipline in anger than it was to be like, okay, this is why we're going to discipline. I was like, let's just spank you and get it over with. But God was teaching me more than he was teaching them in that moment. Like I was learning with them. So I would give myself a timeout and just be like, all right, this is why we're spanking. Like this is why we're disciplining. If they were, we were done with the spanking season, we were doing something different. Um, there's definitely a right way to correct somebody, um, not in anger, not in your flesh, like in love. Um, so you really need to pray before you um, approach that person how, how to handle it um, right. Um, and if they, uh, you've corrected in the right way in love and they, they still want to go their own way, then the Lord will be faithful. He'll go after them. You keep praying for them. Um, maybe love them in a distance, not agreeing with what they're doing, but um, he will be faithful to still um, correct them and um, meet them where they're at and bring them back. You step back, hands off, and you let the Lord do it, and he will have his way with people. He always does. He's very faithful. He loves them more than we do. Second, we're also called to comfort the faint-hearted, those who tend to give up. These are people who really need encouragement. I love these people. I just love, I love to encourage people and just, I don't know, hug people and um, just, you know, I don't know. I always look at like the toddler who's learning how to walk and you just got to help them up along a little bit and then, and then they get it and they go. And I just feel like that we as sisters can do that for one another. We can encourage, be that encouraging voice or uh, maybe they don't even know, but you're praying for them daily. You know, God's going to use that bedtime. Uh, maybe it's a card in the mail. Maybe it's a, a lunch date. Maybe it's who knows. You know, the Lord will show you. He'll, he'll put it on your heart, and you won't be able to get it off your heart till you, till you follow through and be obedient. <laughs> Which is the meaning of the word translated comfort of, of the King James Version is encouragement and comfort. So we're also called to comfort the faint-hearted. It's comforting them. They go hand in hand. Thirdly, Paul also instructs them to uphold the weak, literally meaning to hold fast to the weak, not letting them fall. Now, being unruly and rebellious and being weak are two totally different things. Um, and you'll know by, the, by their heart action just how their heart is, if it's tender toward you or if, it's just got, if they've got a wall up. Um, the rebellious will not listen to correction at all, but the weak just need someone to come up under them and help them to stand again so they can walk. Paul isn't referring to someone, though, who is physically weak, but spiritually weak. It's important that we remember that some people mature faster than others. I remember um, the girls, as they became teenagers, well, when can I date? You know, when am I allowed to date? And I was with them all the time. Tony was gone. I'm like, I don't know. I'll talk to Dad. Probably 16. And so him and I would have this, you know, conversation about what age they are, that they're going to date. And he would say, I am not putting an age on it. And I'm like... We've got to put an age on it so I can hold them back from wanting to date. If we say 16, then we will, we'll handle it when they get to 16. He's like, no. And he used to always say, Trish, each of them matures differently. And it's so true. You can't just put, um, even though we had three girls, I just thought, okay, the first one's like this. That's how the rest will be. Well, it's not true. They're each different. God's molded them different, different personalities, different um, everything. Um, so we need to be reminded that some mature faster than others, 
and we need to be patient with one another. Uh, maybe you've seen this in your own home or in your own life. Um, just as in a family, it's unfair to compare one child to another. We must be careful not to do that in church. We're all at different levels. Some mature faster than others. Some are at this level, some are at that, and that's okay. We're supposed to be different. If we were all alike, it'd be icky. It wouldn't be any fun, right, if we were all the same people? Paul is saying here that if you're in that leadership that you will need to correct, some will listen and some will not, and it's heartbreaking. And then we pray and we let the Lord work in their life. We need to take hold of the weaker believer and help them to stand with the Lord. This type of personal ministry isn't always an easy, easiest one-on-one -on -one because it can go either way. And you just can't take it so personal. I remember earlier on, I would take it so personal if they wouldn't like, I'm like, well, this is so easy. Like, what are you doing? He's a non-believer. Just break up with him. Um, and they still would go do it. And it just would, and then later on, you'd be picking up all the pieces of the mess that was made after. And you're just like, what? how come it's not so clear and easy? But it's just not always that easy for everyone to see. But God is faithful um, to work on them and to bring them back. I know he did it for me. The fourth thing we saw is that Paul concludes this by ending the verse with be patient with all. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with others. Be patient. That is one thing that we believers need. It takes patience to raise a family, doesn't it? That's all I was learning when my girls were little was patience. Some take a little more time than others, and some require a little more correction, or even different types of correction than others within the body of Christ. Some may need, maybe spanking doesn't work, maybe timeout works better. Uh, you know, that's for moms with little people. Um, as they grow, you, you need to know, you need to be in prayer, God, how am I supposed to handle this? Or maybe, you know, um, you can be bold with a sister that you can't be as bold with another sister. Maybe you need to tread more gently with her because um, it's just how she'll respond to you or react. You know, you just got to be, be in prayer before you go to that sister and, and do it in love, ladies. It'll, it'll go a lot further um, and God will use it. Some people are like sandpaper, but God is using them to make you more smooth. The Lord doesn't take them out of our life, though they may be abrasive in spirit. The reason is because he's using them to make us more like him. Have you ever been like, why is this person in my life? I just, Lord, please. But God is using that person to make you more like him, whatever it might be, a uh, family member, um, whatever it is that's difficult, you know, he's using it. It's always, um, we, can't always we can't always see the, big, the bigger picture. If we don't have rules and standards in the family, then the family will be chaotic and unruly. The same is true with church. There has to be order in the church or it would be chaotic. There will be confusion, and we know who the author of confusion is. He comes in, the devil, to split up a family, to cause division. We definitely see that in the world today with what they're doing with the family. I mean, they're just breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down. And I can't even watch any of it. just stresses me out so much to, you know, that they're putting urinals in other girls' bathrooms and doing all this other stuff. It's just heartbreaking. Um, he uses confusion to do that. It's the devil's tool, and we need to be reminded of that. I always say, when there's confusion, don't make any decisions because it's not, it's not God's timing yet. Just, just wait on him. Trust him. 
No one said it was easy to be part of a family, right? It's hard, um, especially an extended family like us with lots of different personalities. But it also can be very beautiful. We need to be patient with our family at home and our church family as well. Next, Paul exhorts us to live righteously, meaning good, honest, fair, and right. Verse 15, we see, he says, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Paul is saying here that we need to watch our motives. If our motive is to be seen or appreciated by man, we will always be disappointed. But if our motive is to be pleasing to God, then we will never be disappointed. If we're doing it for the Lord, um, I, a while ago, was struggling at work because I got some girls that love to smoke, and I'm a non-smoker, so I literally wrote down every time. I probably shared this already. I wrote down every time they went out. They went out 11 times in an eight-hour shift for smoking, and I just really got in my flesh, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm totally not representing you at all. Like, they're seeing me all ugly and not nice and bossy, and so I just was like, Lord, I'm not going to write their smoke breaks down anymore. <laughs> Because I don't get a break, you know, I don't get to just go sit down, you know, I'm, I'm handling the floor and handling the injection room and whatever else is going on, phone calls, um, any biologics that are coming through. And so I was just getting, and I'm older than them. I'm double the age than them. So I'm like, if anyone should be getting breaks, it should be the 51-year-old. I'm more tired and hurting. So I'm just like, Lord, I just went home and I'm like, I'm going to lay this at your feet and help me. I'm not even working for the doctor. I'm working for you. I'm going to go in, and I'm going to bust my butt, and I want to honor you and bless you, and I'm going to be the best nurse at that office that you want me to be. So just if you have that, if you can, you know, just pray and ask the Lord to give you that, you know, we're not perfect in it, but we ask the Lord, hey, let me do this. Let me be the best teacher to honor you, Lord. I don't have it in me today to give, or the best secretary, or whatever it is, the best mom. Lord, I'm, I'm their mom. But how do you, how, I see it this way and how to be their mom, but how do you really see it, Lord? How do you want me to mother these children that I get for a very, very short season? And then they're gone. So just ask the Lord to show you. Um, one order that's always right is joy. Next, we are to live joyfully. Verse 16, rejoice always. And you can take that as joy. It takes the burden out of serving because you have the order right. Jesus others yourself. I'm sure you've all heard this before. If we can remember this simple rule, we will always be joyful in our serving, both at home and at church, right? When you got to fold the clothes or switch the wash or whatever it might be, clean the toilets again. Um, okay, Lord, I'm doing this with joy. But if we lose perspective and turn the letters around to yoj, Y-O-J, then we will lose our joy for sure. I've been there. Um, because what is it? Yourself, others, and Jesus last. Any other way does not spell joy. Jesus has to be first, then others, not us. It is a very elementary principle, but so very, very profound. The joy of the Lord is truly our strength, as Nehemiah 8.10 says. We should be the most joyful people to be around. For that to happen, we have to concentrate on making Jesus first. It is a daily decision that we consecrate ourselves to him and say, Jesus, you first. 
this is how I really feel. This is where my emotions are at today. I don't feel like doing nothing. I don't feel like getting out of my pajamas. I don't feel like talking to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I just want to sit here and be frump girl. <laughs> With my TV shows and my chai. And the, and the Lord says, no. You're going to get out your Bible, and you're going to read, and you're going to pray, and you're going to get your heart right. Right? Then whatever opportunities come my way, these people are, that these, those people are next, and then I'm last. This is true joy because Jesus was a servant of all. He's our truly uh, wonderful, perfect example. Um, none of us humanly can do it the way Jesus did. He's per- he was perfect. Next, in verse 17, these are just all such practical things. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> Prayer was important to the early church, and it's important now more than ever. We should always be praying whenever, wherever we are. We should pray all the time in the car, walking. We can pray anytime, anywhere. We don't have to worry if um, there's bad connection because Jesus is always available. Um, we don't have to go to, um, Tony was sharing that back in the day, they had to have a high priest. He did all the communi- communicating, sacrificing, and it was only once a year. We can do it anytime, anywhere. And if all you can get out is, Lord, I need you, he'll meet you. He'll meet you there, whatever it might be. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes us. It changes our heart. It makes us, our heart, be submissive to what his will is or his plan is, what he's doing on us. And the cool thing is if we encounter someone going through a difficult time or having a hard day, whether it's at home or work or school or it could be a stranger, um, offer to pray for them. You'll be amazed at how God will use this simple thing that we take for granted in a huge way. Um, We may not always be able to share the gospel with someone, but if we see someone hurting, you can pray for them. It's very simple, and you don't need to, you know, pray for Africa and everything else. Just be simple, to the point, and done. And they'll be so blessed and encouraged by that. God can really use it. There is power in prayer, ladies. God uses prayer, um, and it's just us submitting our hearts before him and Um, His will be done, you know. Next, we are able to be thankful in verse 18. Um, Some people say, okay, Lord, uh, you know, people will say to you, you know, what's the will of God? Well, I don't know what his will is. Well, here it is. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't feel like being thankful today. I have absolutely nothing to be thankful for. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. You can be thankful for plumbing, for air conditioning, heating. There are things that we can be thankful for um, are, you know, things that we take for granted every day that we forget that we're so blessed to have in this country that others are um, just don't, they're just drinking water. They just don't even have drinking water. They're drinking, they're filtering, you know, they're taking mud water and putting it over a cloth with a bucket and just to get the big pieces out and then they're drinking it and it's still black. Um, but that's all they have. That's all they know. If we drank that, we would be totally so sick. Um, so when you can't find anything to be thankful for, think of those things. Think of the things that we just often um, forget to be thankful for because we're, we live in this world where we're so spoiled. As we grow in love with the Lord, we should grow in our expression to the Lord. We should be giving thanks more. We should be the most thankful people 
We should be the most joyful people, the most loving people. We should be the most gracious people. Really, the biggest problem that was ever um, an issue has been solved, right? He died on the cross for us, our sins. It's, it's all been solved. Jesus did that for each of us. What do we really not have to be thankful for when we have that? We know, we know, we know that we know we're going to heaven, that our sins have been forgiven, and that we will see Jesus one day. Next, Paul finally tells us to live wisely in verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. The word quench speaks of something we do to the Holy Spirit and his ministry. And we had to look that up in our homework, quench. It's, I wrote um, to destroy, to still, to quiet, to repress. Picturing the spirit as a fire, a fire that could either be put out or stirred up, one of the two. We want to stir up the divine gift that is within us, the fire of God. And how do we do that? Have our daily devotions, right? Daily devotions, make sure you're reading your word, um, however that is for you. There's no rules that you have to sit a certain amount of time. Just make sure you're sitting with him, even for a few minutes, that you're just making that time to commune with him, to read and have the word just wash you. Um, pray. Use the gifts that the Lord has given you. We become a little bit more bold in our faith, and we take advantage of the fact that we can pray, we can lay hands on people, and see God work. You will know when these opportunities take place because the Holy Spirit is going to, he's so faithful to bring it up. He'll nudge you and put it on your heart and you'll ignore, you know, want to say no, 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 no. And he'll just keep nudging you to, to do it. And if you're, if you're obedient, he's going to bless you for it and let you see him work. Unfortunately, we do have churches that quench the Holy Spirit. They are departing from teaching the whole world, the whole counsel of God saying that it's not necessary to teach the Old Testament anymore, that the New Testament has all that we need. Churches that are ignoring different parts of the Bible, this is quenching the Spirit of God. No wonder we can't have a revival, because the church is lethargic and they are departing from the faith. We sure have lots of emotions in our churches today, though, don't we? Lots of activities, lots of emotionalism, lots of distraction from the Holy Spirit is sometimes going on. We have lots of motivational. You can hear a great motivational message, but it's not the Holy Spirit at work. It's the flesh. It's a polished motivational pep talk. Satan is having a heyday these days, creating counterfeit messages, seeking to lead our churches astray. This is yet another sign that we are seeing the last days. Paul ends this letter by stating a blessing, a promise, a forewarning, and a command. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful blessing to ask and encourage God's preservation. Let's just mainly consider the wonderful promises here. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. What an amazing promise. He will do it. It's not, we're not doing this on our own strength. If you're, you know, if you're struggling as a mom, are you doing it on your own strength? You know, ask God for wisdom. Get before him on his knees. Lord, this is, you've given me this gift. How do I be a mom in this season if it's a challenge? As, um, um, young, just strong-willed child, not sure how to make him be obedient or make her be obedient. Um, it's for her or his own good. Yeah, it's hard. 
but get to the other side, you're going to see beautiful fruit. There will be beautiful fruit after that. Or the teenager, or whatever it is, um, work issues. You guys fill in the blank. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. He will strengthen your marriage. He will bring back your prodigals. He will do whatever concerns you. He will do it. Paul concludes, brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I do want to say he may not do it the way we want him to do it. But his way is better, right? His word says your thoughts are better than my thoughts. Your ways are better than my ways. So he will do it, but we need to trust on how he's going to do it. Um, and be praying and be asking him. Paul concludes, brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The command, share what you've learned with others to help them. Ladies, what you've learned tonight, pass these truths on to others who need them. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So what does the reality of the intimate imminent return of the Lord produce in your life, it produces urgency to be ready to share with others at any time. Be ready to meet him when he comes back. It should encourage us to live a pure life. It encourages to walk with him, sharing the gospel, working for him, telling others about his soon return. It encourages us to love, to have faith, and to have hope for the future. Let's remain faithful, ladies to the end. All right, let's pray.